Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or the Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we are going to be talking about every single game from week number three, aside from Thursday, and then aside from Monday night, because I have not seen Monday night football just yet, but we are going to be touching on every single game on Sunday and talk about how I felt about the game. Maybe some guys that might be an overreaction to. Maybe some guys I feel like a lot of people are overreacting to. Maybe some guys that people are underreacting to how well they played. And just my overall thoughts on each and every single game. Probably some a little bit of waiver wire advice, but there will be a waiver wire video tomorrow talking about who to pick up and all of that jazz as well as trade videos, all that stuff the rest of the week. So if you guys do end up enjoying, please sure that you hit that subscribe button because you're not going to want to miss out on the content I put out every single day of the week. We out here grinding I put out so much content every single day to make sure that you guys have your best chance to win your 2020 Fantasy Football League. So without further ado, we are going to get right into the video. First, we begin here with the LA Rams up against the Buffalo Bills. Now, this was looking like the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl 28-3 blown lead by the Buffalo Bills, but in the end, the Buffalo Bills become the victor and come back in the game. The Bills 35, the LA Rams 32. This was probably the highlight game of the early slate of games on Sunday. Just a very close back and forth affair, not at the beginning, but at the end of the game, because at the beginning, they were up by a million. Buffalo was leading 21-3 to going into half. It was looking very bad for the Rams, but the Rams' very well-coached team ends up falling 2-1 to in this game. Now they're 2-1, I should say, and the Bills are now 3 and oh, Jared Goff put up a hell of a fantasy football game, rushing two for one and one touchdown. And in the passing game, 23 of 32 for 321 yards, two touchdowns, and one INT. Now, I've always believed that Jared Goff was an okay quarterback or above average, I would say. I did not expect this big of a game out of him. Up a against a tough Buffalo Bills defense. This was very assuring, or reassuring, I should say, to anyone who has any wide receivers on this LA Rams team due to how much they were able to throw the ball and how well they were able to perform deep late in the game win down, as well as it didn't really matter which corner was covering anyone because all these guys just looked so good with Jared Goff. Cooper Cup, nine receptions on 10 targets for 170 yards, one touchdown. Robert Woods, five for 74 on six targets and one total touchdown. So both wide receivers in this game ended up having big games, even though I kind of expected Robert Woods to kind of have a, not a dud of a game, but not so great of a game. Woods also seems to be involved a lot in these weird-ass rushing plays that the Rams just like to run. Three for 30 in the rushing game. Darrell Henderson, the lead back in this game. 20 carries, 114 yards, and one touchdown. And then Malcolm Brown, seven for 19. No touchdowns. But we did also see Darrell Henderson involved in the pass-catching game. One reception on three targets for six yards. Malcolm Brown, two targets, no receptions, though. So, seems like Darrell Henderson, when Cam Akers is out, is going to be the guy, but... Then again, it seems like every week with these Rams, it's going to be someone different. And once Akers comes back, I'm afraid that this is going to be a shit-tier scenario. So if you have Darrell Henderson, if you're looking at someone early before we talk about them in the trade video, someone who I might be looking to offload, it would probably be Darrell Henderson due to the fact that when Akers is back, I'm very nervous to start Darrell Henderson on a weekly basis. The rest of the wide receivers for the LA Rams, uh, Josh Reynolds, two or no, four for 60 on five targets. Higby, two for 40. So not a great game out of Higby. Really disappointing considering I thought he'd have a big game here but he just ended up not playing so hot. For the Bills, it seemed like a really good game out of Josh Allen. Josh Allen, 24 of 33 for 311 yards, four touchdowns, and one INT. Josh Allen seems like he could potentially be the MVP of the 2020 NFL season if he is able to keep this up. Now, obviously, right now, the favorite would probably be Russell Wilson, but in my opinion, Josh Allen definitely will be getting a lot of votes this year if he continues to put up the amount of or play 
how he's been playing recently. Devin Singletary, 13 carries for 71 yards. Obviously, in this game, Zach Moss was not healthy, so he did not get the go to start in this game. That's why TJ Yeldon was involved, 3 for 18. Josh Allen topped the day off with his fifth touchdown. Josh Allen, 4 for 8 in the rushing game, as well as one touchdown. So this guy is just absolutely skull-fucking every single defense he's playing playing against. The people who say Josh Allen doesn't have an arm. Well, everyone said Josh Allen has an arm. The people were saying Josh Allen isn't accurate. Wrong. They were very wrong. Josh Allen is pretty accurate. They're saying, oh, Josh Allen can't sustain the amount of running he does. He does. One touchdown. The guy's just a fucking beast. For the receiving game here, Cole Beasley, 6 for 107 targets. It seems like this guy is just locked and loaded every single week to be just the safest player on the Bills. Stephon Diggs, 4 for 49 and one touchdown. Tyler Croft, 4 for 24 and two touchdowns. Don't expect that to happen on a weekly basis. Gabriel Davis, 4 for 81. No one started Gabriel Davis, 4 for 50 in the pass-catching game for Devin Singletary to kind of salvage a not-so-hot day due to the fact that he never ended up scoring a touchdown. John Brown, 0 on two targets. So, obviously, very disappointing for John Brown. So, uh, obviously, nothing you can do about that. Nothing that you should be like, oh, I'm done starting John Brown. John Brown's very safe on a weekly basis. This just was not his game. It just wasn't. Josh Allen was really spreading the ball around a lot, which is something I kind of worried about earlier in the offseason when we were referring and talking about Mr. Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs, but now it just seems like it does not matter at all, and that Stefan Diggs will be fine regardless of how much he throws the ball around, so I think that John Brown will still end up being fine. I wouldn't worry too much about it after him having one goose egg of a game. Next game here is the New England Deflatriots going up against the Las Vegas Raiders. 36, New England, 20 to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this game was the typical, should have seen it coming, but I didn't see it coming. Hunter Renfro, not Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller getting four targets and only two receptions for nine yards. This screamed that potentially happening, but I just did not believe it. Darren Waller literally completely screwed your team over because Bill Belichick is smart enough to cancel out the best part of your offense, and that is exactly what he did. And the second best part, or maybe the best part as well, Josh Jacobs was also shut down in this game, 3 for 12 in the receiving game, and then 16 for 71 on the ground. So not completely shut down, but not the big game out of Josh Jacobs or Waller that you would have expected or that you would come to expect out of a guy like Josh Jacobs or Darren Waller. Obviously, this is a tougher matchup up against the New England Patriots. Derek Carr, 24 of 32 for 261 yards, two touchdowns. Booker in the rushing game as well, the backup running back, three for 31. For the receiving game, Hunter Renfro had quite the game, six uh, receptions on nine targets. Very nice for 84 yards and one touchdown. Brian Edwards, two for 48. And then the rest is just a smorgasbord of two to three catches. Foster Maru scored a touchdown as well. For the running game in New England, this was a dominant. Dominant performance out of sexy Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead, 6 for 49 yards and 2 touchdowns. But wait, there's more. 7 receptions, 49 yards, and 1 total touchdown. This guy had himself a day out there on the field. I'm so sorry to the one person that I said to start Sony Michelle over Rex Burkhead. Clearly... That was wrong, but Sony Michelle also played good, 9 for 117. So a very solid game out of the Patriots. Cam Newton, 17 for 28, one touchdown and one INT. Did not end up scoring a rushing touchdown in this game, 9 for 27 in the rushing game. So two kind of not-so-hot games out of Cam Newton. Back-to-back Michael Jordan, 96-97, even though that's kind of a lie because week number two, he kind of balled out up against the Seahawks, just ended up losing. This was a game where the Patriots just had to go out there and win. They lost to the Seahawks. He almost knew this was going to happen because Bill Belichick doesn't lose two fucking games in a row like this. Nikhil Harry, 2 for 34. Julian Edelman, 2 for 23. So a bad game out of Edelman. This was overall just a game dominated by Rex Burkhead. If James White is going to be missing time again, I mean, 
I, I don't know if he'll miss time, though, because it's not due to an injury. It's due to the death of a family member. So I don't know when he'll come back or if he'll even want to play again this season. I understand that that's tough on a player, and I would not judge the guy for missing time. Obviously, due to that, I feel very sorry for James White. A terrible situation for him. So I don't know necessarily what to do because it's not due to an injury. There's no real timetable for him. I would assume he comes back next week, but obviously we have no idea about that. So Rex Burkhead could definitely be a stash in a deeper kind of league considering how good he has been playing as of recently while James White has been gone. Next game here, we got the Cleveland Browns going up against the Washington football team. Browns 34, Washington 20. This was a very good game out of Baker Mayfield last week. 156 yards for Baker and two total touchdowns. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had quite the game as well. Nicholas Chubb, 19 for 108 and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, 16 for 46. No touchdown, but he did play good in the pass-catching game and find the end zone there. Two for 18 and one touchdown in the receiving game. Nick Chubb, one for two in the receiving game. So it seems like now, which was my opinion before the season, that you can start Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on a weekly basis. Obviously, you'd prefer to have Kareem Hunt in situations where the Browns are behind. In situations where the Browns are up in the game, you'd want to have Nick Chubb do the fact that they're going to try to run the ball a lot more. And holy fuck, would you have been surprised? Odell Beckham Jr. goes from doing great to doing bad again. Four for 59 on six targets. You can't start Odell Beckham Jr. on a weekly basis. It's it's a tough. It's very tough. It just is. The guy's going to have good games, then he's going to have these down games, and... I just expect more than down ones like this. Now, it's not a shit game, obviously, like Odell Beckham would like, but not the greatest game. Jarvis, four for 36. I feel like in these games where it seems like the Browns could easily win the game, it seems like you just don't want to start any of these wide receivers. Austin Hooper, complete disappointment, two for 25. This guy, or three for 25, I should say, this guy's just unstartable now, cuttable completely in fantasy football. There's no need to have Austin Hooper on your roster. For the Washington football team, Dwayne Haskins, two touchdowns, three INTs on 224 yards. He is playing up against a tougher Browns defense. Seems like Dwayne Haskins is going to have a very long leash on this team. They can't really bench him. In the rushing game, Antonio Gibson, 9 for 49 and 1 touchdown. McKissick still getting touches, 5 for 15. It's just a complete shit show in this backfield, considering so many guys are getting touches. Seems like Antonio Gibson is the guy to start on a weekly basis. It's just worrisome, since he's just not getting the workhorse touches that you'd kind of want to see out of him. 3 for 11 in the receiving game, though, so obviously him being involved in that definitely helps out his fantasy production. For the receiving game, scary Terry McLaurin, 4 for 83. No touchdowns, 8 targets in this game. McLaurin was overthrown on a ball that probably would have led to a touchdown. Did play pretty well in this game, though. Obviously, if Inman's two touchdowns ended up going to Terry McLaurin or just one of them, he would have had a much bigger game. But no excuses for Terry McLaurin. A pretty decent game, and I expect him to have a much better week in week number four. Ingman, like I said, three for 38 and two touchdowns. The rest of the team... Not so much to say about this game, to be honest with you. Kind of a boring one. Not one that you would expect to be very exciting, though. Considering it's the Browns playing up against the Washington football team. Next game here, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Houston Texans in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins this game, bringing them to 3-0. The Houston Texans fall to 0-3. Kind of surprising that the Texans are 0-3. I mean, they do have a tough starting schedule, so I expect them to bounce back. Out of all the teams that are 0-3, I'd say they would have the best shot at making the playoffs out of any of them. Not saying that they will, but with seven teams making the playoffs, it would obviously make it easier than in the past. Deshaun Watson, 19 for 27 for the Houston Texans. 264 yards, two touchdowns, and one INT on the ground. One for five. So not the greatest game out of Deshaun Watson, if I'm being honest with you. Not too hot, 
But again, playing up against the Steelers defense, this is a very tough matchup. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the best defense in the league, if not one of the best. So I did not expect a huge game out of Watson in this one. David Johnson, 13 for 23 and one touchdown, as well as he got two targets or three targets, two receptions and 23 yards on the receiving game. So not the greatest game out of David Johnson. That touchdown really saved you there. Again, a very tough matchup, a game that I was kind of trying to stay away from this uh, this week. Uh, looking at the receiving game, Randall Cobb, 4 for 95 and 1 touchdown. Will Fuller bounced back. Very good out of Will Fuller, 4 for 54 and 1 touchdown. He obviously shit the bed last week, really disappointed, but seeing a bounce back game out of Fuller here definitely was very good for my confidence. And then Brandon Cook still continues to just be completely ass, 3 for 23 on 5 targets. But again, this was a tougher matchup for all of these guys. Big Ben went 23 of 36 for two touchdowns, zero INTs in this game. James Conner, 18 for 109 and one touchdown, as well as four for 40 through the air in the receiving game. So, very good game here out of Big Ben and James Conner. James Conner's a guy you pretty much just have to start on a weekly basis due to the fact that when he's healthy, he's just so good. But there's obviously the worries about him getting hurt during any given game. For the receiving game, Juju Smith-Schuster, four for 43 and one touchdown. Eric Ebron, five for one touchdown. Obviously, in this game, Deontay Johnson ends up getting hurt. Seems like he has a concussion, so very, very worrisome in my opinion that Deontay Johnson ended up getting hurt because that could obviously hurt the rest of his season clearly because his output may not be as much considering he may be out next week. So that's obviously something to monitor. If he is to be out, James Washington would probably be the pickup for me. The other receiver on the team, 5 for 36 on 7 targets in this game. Seems like he slotted in well there. Eric Ebron also very much involved when Deontay Johnson got hurt, 5 for 52 and 1 touchdown. But I do worry that Big Ben doesn't really look too much for the tight end. As of recently in the past, he used to when he had a pretty good tight end. But now it just seems like he's just looking for the wide receivers. But maybe with Deontay Johnson out, we see him much more involved. Next game here, we got the San Francisco 49ers at the New York Football Giants. San Francisco 36, New York Football Giants 9. So if you guys have ended up enjoying this video thus far, please make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. Not only is it free, I put out content every single day to help you guys win your 2020 Fantasy Football Championship. Also, before I get into the Niners at the New York Football Giants, I'd like to give you guys a quick word from my friends and my sponsor over at Manscaped.com. I'm wearing the shirt right now. It says, your balls will thank you because they will thank you when you use Manscaped. Code Notorious at checkout for 20% off as well as free shipping. Manscaped offers the best products for shaving their family jewels, for making them look pristine, making them look A1. They have a flashlight on there, so you can do that shit in the dark. They have anti-nick technology, so when you're shaving down there, it's not going to look like the Boston massacre happened in your goddamn bedroom, so make sure that you guys have the best experience shaving downstairs, manscaped.com, code notorious to check out for 20% off, as well as free shipping. The Niners win this game 36-9. This was an absolute snooze fest. Nick Mullins, 25 of 36 for 343 yards and one touchdown. Nick Mullins? Nick Mullins carved up the Giants defense. That's how shit they are. This team is down the drain. This team is an embarrassment. No bueno for Giants fans. Danny Dimes, 17 of 32 for one INT and 179 yards. Slayton, 3 for 53. Golden Tate, 5 for 36. Just a shit show out of the Giants. It ended up being that Evan Ingram went 3 for 22 again, so he's just cuttable as well. He's just useless in my opinion. I mean, maybe you keep him because the Giants' schedule is looking better. They had a very tough kind of start to the season, so maybe they do end up looking better the next couple of weeks, but I'm very worried about all these pieces in New York. Jarek McKinnon, 4 for 38 in one touchdown in the rushing game for the 49 
49ers. Brandon Ayuk, 3 for 31 in the touchdown. Jeff Wilson, 12 for 15 and one touchdown in the pass-catching game. McKinnon, 3 for 39 and no touchdown. Seems like McKinnon and Jeff Wilson are going to be guys you can start on a weekly basis as long as Tevin Coleman is missing. Now, it seems like Debo Samuel will return next week for the 49ers, so I'm not sure how that affects Ayuk. Ayuk had a quite the good game, though. One rushing touchdown as well as 5 for 63 in the receiving game out of Jeff Wilson, 3 for 54, and one touchdown, so he ended up having two tutties on the day. The better start at the running back position for the Niners ended up being him over McKinnon, but both of these guys ended up having pretty solid games out there on Sunday. Nothing else really too much to talk about about this kind of shit-tier game we saw on Sunday. Next game up here might have even been a worse game, a absolute snooze fest all the way up until overtime where overtime was even more boring because we saw a fucking tie. Both teams now 0-2-1, 23 Bengals, 23 Eagles. Joe Burrow, again, this guy's just an absolute fucking maniac. 31 completions, 44 attempts, 312 yards, 2 touchdowns, 0 INTs. An absolute maniac, maniac on the flow for Joe Burrow. Joey B looking fan fucking tastic that offensive line is ass cheeks they are getting demolished by anyone anyone with a pulse can pass rush on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals line Joe Burrow looks fantastic the future is bright in Cincinnati as long as they can get a line Carson Wentz 29 of 47 225 yards one touchdown two INTs Miles Sanders 18 for 95 Carson Wentz 9 for 65 and one touchdown in the rushing game but Carson Wentz looked atrocious in this game can't even beat the fucking Bengals defense and somehow will probably still end up competing for the NFC East champion because of how bad that division just is as a whole now, I know if you guys are not new here, you want to, if you're not new here, you've been here for a while, you know my love for Joe Mixon, and this has just been a failed season for Joe Mixon, 17 carries, 49 yards. Now, I understand you're going to be pissed off at me, and I, I understand. He didn't have a good game. Joe Mixon, 2 for 16 through the air in the receiving game. Just not a good game, but he, I understand Mixon plays like shit, right? He doesn't score the fantasy points. But it's really, there's nothing you can blame. You can't really even blame Joe Mixon because of the fact that this offensive line just sucks so much fucking wiener. They are getting bent over on every single play and skull fucked to death. And then Joe Mixon gets destroyed behind the backfield. So there's really just, or behind the line, there's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, would I trade Joe Mixon? Probably not because I think that just like last year, we saw the line kind of get better and him just keep getting better as the season went on. So I probably wouldn't trade him because what is he worth at this point? He's not scoring like 10 points at all. He scored 10 points week two. So he scored. 12 he scored six week one they scored like eight or nine this week I mean there's nothing too amazing looking for Joe Mixon but I would not trade him I'd probably just sit him down on the pine if you have other options just let him ride the pine I think if we all put him on the bench we show Joe Mixon that we want more out of Joe Mixon we put him on our fucking bench and he'll be fired up to play next week so I don't know. I'm probably not trading Joe Mixon. I'm probably not looking to trade for Joe Mixon. I'm just indifferent on him. I'm probably just going to sit him down on the bench, give him a nice talking to, and then once we see him kind of start to produce, kind of like what happened last year, then we can all hop back on the Joe Mixon train. So that's my opinion on it. I know you guys probably wanted to hear that. For the Cincinnati Bengals in the receiving game, Tyler, yeah, Boyd had an excellent game, 10 for 125 on 13 targets. Tremendous game out of Mr. Boyd there. Seems like he is the best wide receiver option there. AJ Green completely atrocious, 3 for 36 on six targets. Told you guys before the season, AJ Green was booty cheeks. Tyler Boyd is the real deal. And Joe Mixon was really good. So I guess I got two out of three of the things right in Cincinnati. 66.66% correct. So that's pretty fucking sharp out of me. 
winky face. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, 3 for 55. Again, man, this just pisses me the fuck off because they used Giovanni Bernard in the pass catching game. Give it to fucking Joe Mixon. He can do the same thing, maybe even better because Joe Mixon's actually elusive, not like Giovanni Bernard. 5 for 40 for Titty Boy T. Higgins. On a Tate, 2 for 29. The receiving game for the Philadelphia Eagles, Greg Ward, 8 for 72 and 1 tug. Zach Ertz, 7 for 70. Good game there. Dallas Godert ends up getting hurt. Deshaun Jackson ends up getting hurt in this game. Those are the players of note, really. I mean, Godert, very sad to see. After this guy's been balling out, seems like he's going to miss the next couple of games. Next game here, my lack of the week that ended up missing. Tennessee Titans win 31 of 30. I had them to win the game minus 2.5. They end up not covering the spread by 1.5 points because... They hate me. Tennessee Titans 31, Minnesota Vikings 30. The Vikings fall to 0 and 3. Titans 3 and 0. This just the Vikings also, besides the Texans, seem like the only team that's actually going to be decent. Probably that's 0 and 3. Ryan Tannehill in this game for the Tennessee Titans 22 of 37 for 321 yards and one INT did not have the great game that I honestly thought I would see out of him this week up against a terrible Minnesota Vikings corners secondary. The whole fucking defense, not very good over there in Minnesota, but it did not really seem to matter because it was Derrick Henry time. Henry put up 26 carries, 119 yards, and two total tugs, tutties in this game. Great game out of Derrick Henry. Kind of what I expected last week out of him, and I expected a not-as-good game this week, and he just did the complete opposite of what I thought. Derrick Henry obviously starting in your lineup every week, though. For the receiving game, Khalif Raymond. Who the fuck is that guy? That's what Conor McGregor would say, because I have no fucking idea who that guy is. Three for 118 on three targets. Probably not a guy I'm looking to pick up, but what a game out of that man. Corey Davis, 5 for 69. Very nice out of Corey Davis on six targets. Janu Smith, 5 for 61 on eight targets. Not the greatest game out of Janu, but still a solid enough game. Adam Humphreys, 4 for 41 on seven targets. For the rushing game, actually, we'll go to the passing game real quick of the Minnesota Vikings. Mr. You like that? Kirk Cousins, 16 of 27 for three touchdowns, two INTs. Seems like he's a turnover machine. But still ended up playing much better than he had played in the first two weeks of the NFL season. Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 181 rushing yards for one total touchdown. As well as two for 18 through the air for the receiving game. Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, what am I saying? Justin Jefferson had his flying out party, flying to the fucking moon. Justin Jefferson, seven for 175 and one total touchdown in this game. He absolutely was flying. He was buzzing and he was ready to go. That was an amazing game out of Justin Jefferson. Do I expect this to happen on a weekly basis? No, but is it nice to see a rookie ball out this much? Yes. Would I pick him up? Yeah, but would I want to start him on a weekly basis? Probably not until I see it probably happen one more time. Adam Thielen, three for 29 and one touchdown. So big disappointment out of Adam Thielen, but it was kind of understood going up against the Titans that that this was a tougher type of matchup for the Vikings overall. A pretty enjoyable game there, considering the last two were kind of bad. Next game here, and I have a lot to talk about here. The Chicago Bears going up against the Atlanta Falcons. Chicago 30, Atlanta 26. How many leads can the Atlanta Falcons br- blow before, before Dan Quinn is fired? Before the city of Atlanta is burned down? Atlanta falls to 0-3. The Bears go 3-0. Now, why did the Bears end up winning this game, right? The Bears are down by a zillion. Atlanta was up by so many points. It seemed like the game was closed. It seemed like there was no hope. And then, bang, 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 bang. Matt Nagy brings out big dick Nicholas Foles. Nick Foles, 16 for 29, three touchdowns, one interception, 188 yards. Now, you might be thinking, what did Mitch Trubisky do wrong to get pulled from the game? Honestly, didn't do much wrong. 13 for 22, 128 yards, one touchdown, one INT, got pulled after the int, though. And he ran one for 45 in the rushing game. So he wasn't even playing like complete shit. 
what happened in my head is that the Bears were like, you know what, we're down. Yuano is going to win us this game. The comeback king, the guy with nine inches in his waistband, Nick Foles. So that's what they go ahead and do. They bring in big dick Nick Foles, and he brings back that win. David Montgomery, 14 for 45 in the rushing game, as well as getting two targets for nine yards, or three targets, two receptions, and nine yards in the receiving game for David Montgomery. So a very down game in a very easy matchup, which is kind of worrying for David Montgomery, though Tariq Cohen did end up getting hurt in this game. Obviously a bad situation for Tariq Cohen. Torn ACL, not going to play again this season, which is terrible, obviously, for him. But understand, for fantasy football purposes, that makes David Montgomery much better because he will be more involved in the pass-catching game for the receiving game of the Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson was revived. They brought out those shock things that the ambulance says. We goes, bzz, bzz, and they go, Psh, and it fucking woke him up. He arose like Jesus or something. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Allen Robinson, 10 for 123 and one touchdown. Jimmy Graham, 6 for 60, two touchdowns. Anthony Miller, 2 for 41 on five targets and one total tutty. It seems like you can start Graham, you can start Robinson, and you can start Miller. Now, would I start uh, Jimmy Graham in most situations? Probably not, but if you're in a tough situation at a tight end, there's definitely worse guys to look at than that. So how did the Falcons blow the lead? Probably because their Dan Quinn just does not know how to call plays, and that defense is just not good at all for the Falcons. Matty Ice went 19 for 38, one touchdown and one INT. This was a tougher matchup up against the Bears. I kind of expected them to be behind in this game and them have to throw into the game. But in reality, they were ahead the whole time, so they weren't throwing the ball as much as they normally do. Todd Gurley, 14 for 80 and one touchdown. Brian Hill, 9 for 58 and one touchdown in the game. So a lot of the what points that you would typically go to the wide receivers and to Matt Ryan were going to the running backs there because they scored two touchdowns in this game, which is pretty abnormal, I would say, for the Falcons' offense. Kevin Ridley, 5 for 110 on 13 targets. The game losing interception was thrown to Calvin Ridley. He was kind of open, but Matt Ryan missed by a mile. He was probably shaking in his boots because they were going to lose another fucking game that he, they didn't deserve to lose at all. As well as Calvin Ridley, Oladame, Zacharias. I don't know if that's how you even say his name. What a sick name, though. Four for 41 out of him. And then we saw Mr. Hayden Hurst, one for one and one touchdown to redeem a game that probably wouldn't have been all that good, but he ended up scoring. Russell Gage, a guy that I expected to have a big game with Julio out, ended up disappointing due to the fact that he ended up getting hurt in the game. Two for 26. Nothing you really end up doing about that, though. Since there was an injury, I'm thinking Dan Quinn gets fired here, which I don't know if that helps or hurts the Falcons for fantasy because I kind of like the fact that the team just always ends up losing because they have to throw later in the game, and that kind of makes it better for fantasy football. But for real life, obviously, I understand the Falcons need to can this motherfucker. Next game here that I really have nothing to talk about, the New York football Jets going up against the Indianapolis Colts. The Jets fall 7-36. to They fall to 0-3, the Colts 2-1. The Jets are legitimately the worst team in football, and it's not even close. I don't think any team is that bad. I have never seen a team look this bad, and I saw the fucking... What team was it? The Lions? They didn't even win a single game. That's what this team looks like, but worse. It looks so bad. The Jets awful. Sam Darnold, one touchdown, three interceptions, 168 yards. Now, I don't even blame all the interceptions on him. He has nothing to do. Adam Gaze also needs to get fired. I'm surprised he legitimately did not get left in Indianapolis, and they even brought him back on the plane or the bus, however the fuck they get home now due to corona. I don't understand what is happening. Sam Darnold in the post-game press conference just looks shook, just looks absolutely confused. Looks like he is wanting to, I don't even know. It just does not look good for Sammy Mono, so... I feel bad for the guy, honestly, because he does make plays in the game that tells you that Sam Darnold is a good quarterback, 
but then he makes these terrible decisions, and I don't know if it's because he's making the decision. I don't know if he's just completely shook because Adam Gaze is such an idiot. I have no idea, but uh, right now you just have to be off of all of the Jets. Frank Gore, 15 for 57. I mean, I don't even know if I'd start Le'Veon Bell when he comes back. I'm just so worried about this offense unless they were to fire Adam Gaze. Braxton Berrios, 4 for 64 and 1 touchdown. Lawrence Cager, 3 or 2 for 35. I mean, there's nothing to even talk about. Kalen Blage, 5 for 44. Gets a dump off, fucking tries to hurdle a guy. That was the most interesting part of the game, and it was like a 7-yard gain because he jumped over someone and they fucking slammed him down like it was the WWE. This game got so out of hand that Phillip Rivers came out of the game and Jacoby Brissett ended up playing. Phillip Rivers, 17 of 21 and one touchdown for 217 yards. Jacoby Brissett, 2 for 4, 17 yards, 0 tutties, 0 INTs. Jonathan Taylor, 13 for 59 and one total touchdown. Jordan Wilkins, 9 for 39 and no touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton, 3 for 52, no touchdown. Not even a surprise. I mean, this was a premier matchup for T.Y. Hilton to do something, and he couldn't even do it in this matchup. Mo Ali caught, but he did end up catching every touchdown target for him so that is a good thing for him considering he normally gets like nine targets and just ends up only catching like four mo alley cox three for 50 and one touchdown Naheem Hines, kind of back in this game, 7 for 21 on the ground, as well as, let's see, 4 for 40 in the pass-catching game, so definitely more involved than he was last week, but I do worry that he's really only a startable asset in games where they're going to be down, where they need to pass later in the game, because that's where Hines obviously gets most of his yards in the pass-catching game. Overall, nothing really to talk about, though, in this game. Next game here, we got Justin Herbert's second-ever start in the NFL. Looked pretty solid in this game up against the Panthers. The Panthers did end up winning this game, though, 21-16 to get their first win of the season. The Chargers fall 1-2 and two in this game. Teddy Bridgewater 22 of 28 for one tutty and 235 yards. Justin Herbert 35 for 49, one touchdown and one INT. The biggest point of this game, the biggest thing that I noticed is that Mike Davis, very involved in this Panthers offense, like I thought he would be 13 for 46 in the rushing game, as well as 8 receptions on 13 targets for 45 yards and one touchdown. This is obviously very good news for anyone that ended up picking him up after Christian McCaffrey went down because he is going to be involved in every single game when Christian McCaffrey is obviously out. DJ Moore, 2 for 65, pretty disappointing game. Robbie Anderson, 5 for 55. The offense did look okay in this game. The defense did play quite well, though, up against the Chargers. Another great thing to note in this game for fantasy football-wise, Austin Eckler, 12 for 59 and one touchdown, as well as 11 for 84 through the air. This motherfucker had 11 targets in this game. Which is very good because with Tyrod Taylor at the beginning of the season, we were very worried about Austin Eckler due to the fact that it seemed like, hey, maybe only with with Tyrod, he's just not going to be very good. But now we think that now that Justin Herbert is the starting quarterback, it's going to look much better for the offense here for Austin Eckler. Uh, the running backs as well, Joshua Kelly involved, 8 for 43 in this game. Obviously not the big game that we could have expected out of this game where the Chargers just route the Panthers because they play so strong on defense. We kind of saw a different game than what I thought we would see. Keenan Allen, very good news for him, 13 one th- for 132, one touchdown on 19 targets, which is amazing. Amazing because they have a quarterback that will actually throw the ball deep down the field before Tyrod Taylor was just dumping the ball off. So who knows if when Tyrod is healthy, does he become the starter again or is Herbert the starter? That's definitely a question that I have to ask myself. I personally think they continue to go with Herbert as long as he doesn't look atrocious. Hunter Henry, 5 for 50 in this game on seven targets. A pretty solid game out of Hunter Henry, though. Obviously would have looked for him to find the end zone to put up a much more productive fantasy football game. Next game here, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against the Denver Broncos. Again, if you guys have ended up enjoying at all during this video please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below tampa ends up winning this game 28 to 10 tampa goes to 2 and 1 the broncos fall to 0 and 3 and obviously they play the new york football jets on thursday which is going to be an atrocious game 
This game ended up going so bad for the Broncos that they pulled Jeff Driscoll and brought in Brett Ripken, who I have no idea who he is, who goes 8 for 9, 1 INT. I assume Driscoll gets the start on Thursday, unless they can start Blake Bortles, which I would assume would be a better option. 17 for 30 for Driscoll, 1 touchdown and 1 INT. TB12 has a game that I did not see coming at all. Tom Brady put up the numbers that we would have expected him to do the first two games of the season. They did not look to run the ball as much in this game, but again, we're in that shitty scenario with the Buccaneers, where on a weekly basis, you have no idea who to start at the running back position. Tom Brady, 25 of 38 for 297 pass yards and three total touchdowns. Ronald Jones, 13 carries. Leonard Fournette, seven carries. What? Last week, we saw Fournette bumfuck a defense, and we saw Ronald Jones play like shit, but Ronald Jones still gets more touches. That's why you can't trust this. You just cannot trust it. Bruce Arians is so fucking stupid when it comes to the running backs there. Do not play any of them. I'm done. I'm not playing any of these guys. Ship both of them off if you have any of them. No idea who to trust on a weekly basis. Scotty Miller, after playing like absolute dick cheese last week, has a bounce back game. Three of 83 on five targets. Not too sure he's startable, though, with Evans and Godwin healthy, but Godwin ends up getting hurt in this game. Five for 64 and one touchdown on six targets ends up hurting his hammy, so I'm not too sure about his availability for week number four. O.J. Howard, three for 49. And then we saw Mike Evans, two catches, two yards, two fucking touchdowns. For Denver, the rushing attack, not too hot in this one. Melvin Gordon, 8 for 26 and 4 for 12 in the passing game. Very bad game out of him. For the receiving game, Jerry Judy, 5 for 55 on 9 targets. Fant, 5 for 46. Kind of a disappointing game for Fant, but the team just was not working too well on offense. I expect Fant to have a big bounce back game next week. And as long as, obviously, Colton Sutton out for the season, it seems like Jerry Judy could be a guy that you can start on a weekly basis as well, but not too hot this week up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Next game here, we got the Arizona Cardinals at the Detroit Lions. Kyler Murray was looking like a MVP potentially candidate for the season. Ends up completely shitting the bed up against the worst team they've played against. He plays the worst. Kyler Murray, 23 of 35 for 270 yards, two touchdowns, as well as three INTs. 23 to 26, the Lions end up winning this game. Stafford, on the other hand, 22 of 31 for two touchdowns, 270 yards, rushing Arizona-wise. Kenyon Drake, 18 for 73, and then Kyler Murray, 5 for 29 and one touchdown. So Kyler still had a good fantasy day, just wasn't the best day, considering a lot of the balls he was throwing that were intercepted just did not look good at all. They looked like terrible reads by Kyler Murray. Kenyon Drake involved, 18 for 73, but no touchdown. So he's been kind of a disappointment thus far this season. One reception on six yards, but why is that? It's because whenever they're on like the five-yard line, they'd rather just run it with Kyler Murray than hand the ball to Kenyon Drake for the rushing game of the Lions Adrian Peterson 22 of 75 for no touchdowns carry on three for 16 and then there was no touches for DeAndre Swift and he gets one ball reception for 19 yards so again this is just a shit situation at the running back position you will have no idea who to start on a weekly basis so you probably just sit all of them Kenny Galladay has his triumphant return six for 57 and one touchdown on seven targets now this touchdown was nowhere near him the ball was a zillion yards above him he jumped up Caught that shit, fell into the end zone. Kenny Galladay, obviously a must start on the week. Marvin Jones, very disappointing, 3 for 51, but I expect him to have a bounce back game next week. Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Matthew Stafford pretty much going to be my lineup every single week for the Arizona Cardinals. Yet again, DeAndre Hopkins balls the fuck out. 10 receptions on 12 targets for 137 yards. Sadly, no touchdowns, though. Andy Isabella, 4 for 47 and 2 touchdowns in that game. Overall, good game, though, from both sides. I expect Kyler Murray to play much better next week, though. And I expect Stafford to kind of keep it up. Next game here, before we get to the Sunday night special, again, if you guys have ended up enjoying this video, please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. The Dallas Cowboys fall 31 to the Seattle Seahawks 38. The Cowboys fall to 1-2. and two. How about them boys? Tied with the Washington football team for first. 
because they're both one and two. The Seattle Seahawks, 38 points in this game, come to three and oh on the season. Excellent season so far out of the Seattle Seahawks. Let Russ cook is nationwide. Like it's on your fucking side, like Peyton Manning's trying to sell you an ad. Russell Wilson, 27 of 40 for five touchdowns and 315 yards. Would have been six touchdowns had DK Metcalf. Wait, did they score on that drive? I don't even remember, but DK Metcalf walking in the end zone, starts to selly, and his fucking ball gets slapped right out of his hand, fumbles out of the end zone. Should have been a touchdown for DK Metcalf, but he did end up redeeming himself later in the game. Four for 110 and one touchdown. Tyler Lockett, nine for 103 touchdowns. Seemed like you can definitely start Lockett and Metcalf on a weekly basis. Chris Carson ends up getting hurt in this game. 14 carries for 64 yards, no touchdown. In the receiving game, three for 12. So very... Not disappointing for Carson. It's disappointing that the fucking Cowboys have to play dirty. The guy did a gator roll to his legs, and his teammate jumped on him. That should be a suspension. Should be. That's just unbelievable. You just cannot be doing that. Luckily, it seems like Chris Carson will be fine and be able to play in a couple of weeks, but still something terrible to see out of the Dallas Cowboys. What do you expect out of such a bunch of... Oh, what a terrible... I hate the Cowboys so much. 37-57 and of Dak Prescott. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, 472 yards, but an L. An L. For fantasy, Dak played well. Zeke played well, 14 of 34 for one touchdown, as well as on the receiving game. Zeke went 6 for 24, so a pretty solid game out of Zeke. The receiving game, dominated by Michael Gallup, 6 of 9 targets. Baron Nass for 138 yards. Cedric Wilson, who the fuck is that guy? 5 of 107 and 2 touchdowns. Amari Cooper, 8 or 9 for 86. CeeDee Lamb, 5 for 65. So they were definitely airing the ball out a lot in this game, just like I expected. So, but good game out of both teams. Just terrible to see the Cowboys doing something so despicable, like trying to injure Chris Carson like that. And then obviously both quarterbacks played quite well. Final game here, the Sunday night special. Is it time? Is it time to fire up Jameis Winston? Is it? No, I don't think so. I hope they do though because I love Jameis Winston. The Saints fall 30 to 37 in this game. The Packers improved to 3 and 0. Oh, the Saints go 1 and 2. Aaron Rodgers 21 of 32, 283 yards, 3 touchdowns. Drew Brees, same exact thing. 29 of 36, 288 yards and 3 total touchdowns. But Drew Brees just seems like he cannot look deep down the field, right? Because the guy would be open and he just misses. He needs to throw the ball like 8 to 10 yards away from him. And the king of that, Michael Thomas, still not healthy. But Michael Thomas coming back next week obviously should help out the Saints. Seems like he may end up playing next week. For the rushing game of both teams, dominant Alvin Kamara, 6 for 58. But wait, there's more. 13 receptions, 139 yards, and two total tugs for Alvin Kamara. The one touchdown he ended up scoring was the most bullshit tackling I've ever seen. He gets the ball out in space. There's like 50 yards in front of him. There's like seven guys that can tackle him, and no one ends up bringing the guy down. Got to learn to wrap it up as well as you guys. Make sure you wrap it up. Don't be silly. Wrap your willy. Aaron Jones, 16 for 69 in the rushing game as well as in the receiving game. He ended up going 2 for 17, so a solid game out of both of those guys, uh, Jones as well as Kamara. Jamal Williams, 6 for 14 for the receiving game with Devontae Adams out. Alan Lazard went crazy, 6 for 146 and 1 touchdown. MVS, very disappointing, 1 for 5 in this game. To me, it seems like when Adams is healthy, you're going to be wanting to start Adams and Alan Lazard out of the pass-catching crew. For the tight ends, Robert Tanyan, 5 for 50, and one touchdown, Jay Sternberger, 3 for 36. So overall, a very interesting Sunday night matchup. I just worry about Drew Brees' health this year because he just does not look good. He looks like he has a fucking noodle arm. So thank you guys all for watching this video. Let me know what you guys enjoyed about these games on Sunday, and I hope that you guys enjoy the game later today on Monday night. So have a great rest of your guys' day. Make sure you check out manscaped.com, code Notorious at checkout for 50, for 20% off, not 50% off. I wish I could do that. 20% off as well as free shipping. So have a great rest of your guys' day, and I'll see you motherfuckers tomorrow with another banger of a video. Good boy!